Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, Allie. Hello, Kevin. Hi, how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. Well, I'm glad you were able to make the uh, conference call work. Sometimes it can be a trick, so thank you for doing it. And uh, oh, this no allows me to be, yeah, this allows me to be hands-free, and I actually um, have the outline, you know, kind of in front of me and can kind of have a free form, you know, walk you through kind of um, basically who is Allie, uh, which is kind of a fun <laughs> interview to do. <laughs> I know. And I'm discovering who I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm also, I'm here as well, Kevin, on Ali's phone, and then I can call through later. But I hugely appreciate you taking the time and, and helping us not get exported. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Hey, it's the least I can do. And uh you know, on a positive note, um, you know, Gareth and Allie, I've met you both in person. Um, my oldest daughter, yeah. Natalie, has held your firstborn, I believe, uh, when we did the interview yeah. about the lighthouse. Um, so, right. yeah, so we have, we have a, a, we're family. We're part of your family. So, yeah. yeah so, and, and, uh, and obviously, I have been greatly impacted. You know, it's my own testimony that it was the biblical messages of, 
creative Christian music uh, that led me to a saving faith in the gospel. And obviously you guys have contributed to that, which is why I identified um, you know, with your music the first time I heard it. And um, if you recall there, it's actually the first time I interviewed you guys, you were opening for Chris Tomlin um, in right. Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, yeah, I know, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, a long time ago, and we got together, and we actually talked about your song "Movement," and 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 I just remembered, you know, seeing an anointing, um, both on the conversation and that evening, because I actually also wrote up a review. So there actually are some sort of past publications uh, I've done that I think pretty well connect to this conversation. So so Allie. Okay. Um, relative to you, uh, I know yeah. you helped create and develop the band, uh, the Irish Band Friend Collective. And obviously, um, I've really watched you go from, you know, opener to headliner. Um, and I've seen you open for artists such as Chris Tomlin. And I've, I've read about, you know, the crowds you've performed um, at, at Madison Square Garden. You've, you've, um, performed on Fox, uh, Fox News. You've performed for Pope Francis, visit to Dublin in August, 2018. And then I also saw, you know, you guys got signed with Capital after I believe you were with Integrity, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, yeah. you know, over yeah. the years, uh, you've written, sang, performed, toured the world as, as Ren Collective only female member. And what was it you felt was truly unique about the artistic style of, you know, the music and in particular your voice as a female worshiper, soloist, and spokesperson for the band yeah absolutely i feel like growing up i didn't see a lot of females on stage a ton you know or even when you did see females on stage they were normally in the background and you know just singing and so when i decided to be an artist and start performing what i really wanted to bring to rank collective and 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 really the worship movement was a female that wasn't afraid to worship freely and to really lead the way in that. So, you know, I, I believe I was one of the first female artists to be, you know, drumming on stage and being up front and at the foreground, playing these weird Irish instruments and doing, worshiping in a unique way and really just opening a way for other female artists to express yourself a little bit more during worship and not be afraid to, to stand out. And so, um, I remember when we first started touring, people would be like, what is that girl doing beating a trash can with a ribbon? Mm -hmm. and so um, you know, and I just find that was just a really freeing moment for me just to be like, this is who I am. This is what I can bring. And just really open the gateway of freedom and worship. Awesome. Um, so if you didn't know, um, I'm a dad of three daughters. And right. my girls are all my girls are all musicians and they're all singers. And um, you know, I I believe um, you as an artist have actually both been an influence influence and in uh, a role model for them in having you know one the example of yeah. women stepping up in a worship leading role, but also. Um, you know, a creative person, you know, as you just described, somebody doing it a little bit more uniquely, um, not just standing at a microphone, but also participating as an instrumentalist 
and 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 both being willing to be an accompany accompanist and um, a leader. And again, in both forming the band and in you know often being the one woman I've seen in like the touring um, you know band like for example at Winter Jam I believe was the last time I saw you guys in person. Uh, I think that really stands out to those sold out crowds you you played for who maybe didn't know um, yeah. your role in the band just from hearing your radio singles. So um, in addition to your reputation as one of the most prominent female Christian music artists worldwide, you have a claim for having written some of the most well-known songs you worship in praise services, which is, again, something I don't think people know about you. So why don't you tell... Um, our readers a little bit more about your songwriting contribution um, to Homemade Worship and how that album ultimately launched Ren's career in 2012. Yeah, um, I mean, I've always really enjoyed working on records and, and writing songs. Um, yeah, so that, that breakout record was really, you know, it was really mind-blowing to see radio sort of come along and start playing songs from that. Um, you know, I helped write a song called Tree Intimacy and just being able to be a part of the creative process throughout the journey. And then, you know, and that we still play, you know, Build Your Kingdom Here from that record every time we play. It's a song all our sold out crowds want to hear. So we always leave it to the last so that they have to wait to the end of the concert uh, <laughs> before they can leave. But um, yeah, it's just been, it's a real... It's been a real privilege to be involved and to, to have my voice come through in the record was was really special and really honoring and um yeah it was a big moment for me as an artist that's awesome um by the way true intimacy was one of my favorite tracks from um that album and i ranked oh, that album i believe in my top five albums of that year because um, you know in addition to writing um a, you know, in essence, a, a, a weekly column, which is uh, this behind the song, you know, article series, which I've now featured the band you've been a, a, a key member of for over 10 years and I believe 12 editions of, you know, wow. I, I've i heard you know, both your, your, your vocal contributions and your contributions because Build Your Kingdom here was those articles and as you said, I've been, I've had the privilege to, to see you guys worship live, and I know what it's like to be proud and anticipate, you know, that celebratory moment, which I would say is a, a good follow-up to that, my prior comment about you being an inspiration to my daughters and to other women who may want to um, step up and, and be part of forming a worship band and being one of the leaders, you know, um, of that yeah. band. So... Uh, in both Christian and secular music fields alike, it, it seems one of the greatest honors a musician can receive is to be invited to perform for the Pope. And I know you personally performed and spoke to a massive crowd during Pope Francis's visit to Dublin a few years ago. And in what way was your interaction with the audience different than other performances? And what did you say? Um, yeah, I just, it was a really special moment to me, you know, I really wanted to connect with the large crowd in a way that they felt seen and understood. Um, and that's what I always try and do as soon as I come onto the stage as an artist. I don't want people just to see an artist. I want to see a, 
I want them to see someone who's full of the joy of the Lord and wants to help them get to that place of experience of experiencing the Holy Spirit and Jesus in a way that connects with them. Um, and that was really the center of my message that I shared that day. You know, I, I find that, you know, in large crowds, people can feel like they're just a number instead of being a person. And my art and my performance is always aimed at making people feel special. I want people to feel seen. I want to try and make eye contact with as many people as possible and bring them on the journey that we're that we're on. And um, it was so wonderful to see Pope Francis, you know, being in such close proximity and being the only female Protestant on stage at the all Catholic event was really historical for Ireland and and really, I mean, it was just an unbelievable moment. So, yeah, something else I'll truly never forget. That's awesome. I um, I can imagine um, the well, one the honor, but also the opportunity, you know, to just yeah. um, share the gospel for uh, again a a crowd who loves the Lord, and I think that's um, to me the bridge you guys are able to help um, bridge. You know, both for people who don't um, know the Lord personally, but also uh, who have, you know, a desire maybe to know the Lord personally, but they, the, one of the best bridges, as I mentioned through my own testimony was through creative, um, expressions of the gospel. So in your 12 plus years of recording, performing, touring as a worship leader and performing with Ren Collective, do you have a favorite album or one that has meant the most to you personally? Um, I mean, it probably has been homemade worship by homemade people, um, you know, just being such a big part of that album and seeing it really launch our career. I actually remember playing it for the first time and at a sold out show in Belfast and thinking, getting quite emotional to myself going, this, this is the moment. This is, this is the, the gate that's opening for the, the launch pad of, of, of our career, you know, because we were actually going to be traveling to America, like within the next few days. And, you know, we weren't going to see our, our families for a while and, and things like that. So, you know, I, the, the first song is in that album is Praise Like Fireworks, is that right? And I remember, you know, we would always start the show with that and thinking, this is this is takeoff. This is like a firework. We're about to, you know, lift off into the sky and explode and bring joy and color into the worship world and let's go. <laughs> so that was a really a special album for me, for sure. Yeah, for me as well, and uh, it, it ages well. Um, just so you know, I I visit it quite often, and um, your recordings are now being played and covered by other artists uh, worldwide. Is there any yeah. particular country uh, whose reception to your unique style of Christian music has surprised you the most? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Germany and mainland Europe really stands out to me. That was completely unexpected. You know, mostly because. English is not their first language, but yet the ticket and album sales have been outstanding, really. You know, when we travel there, you were selling out arenas for people to come and hear, you know, our art. And in a country that I've never even been to before was very humbling. And hearing, we remember us, uh, we were playing and, um, you know, to hear your own song being sung back to you in a different language because, the crowd starts singing it themselves because they know it so well. You know, that is just, it's just 
breathtaking, really. You know, a song that I've helped craft and develop and, you know, in a country that you're, uh, you know, a stranger to, it's just, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing moment. And so uh, completely unexpected, for sure, to be in Germany and mainland Europe hearing, I can't, you know, how do these songs even reach it to you? It's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and and I think that's a, a testament testament to um, the accessibility uh, of the music you're creating. Like I I would say it's it crosses genres, which I think um, you know connects to the fact that many Christian artists tend to only safely perform to church audiences, but you individually and yeah. with Gareth and with Ren have been known for taking bolder steps. Um, by performing, you know, your music, which is um, based on Bible truth and yeah. providing yeah. that kind of truth to a wider secular audience. And how have you gotten away with this? Um, you know, how that how has that um, happened for you, do you think? Yes. Um, there's a lot of grace with being Irish, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, we, uh, well, firstly, I mean, we do, we write music that is inclusive and doesn't push people away or people who wouldn't sign up to maybe religious tradition. Hmm. Uh, we've also made it our mission to partner with larger organizations that have this heartbeat also, you know, like the Billy Graham organization is a great example or of who we partner with. And I love getting my chance to share and perform at large events around the world. Um, World Vision is also one of my favorite charities because they don't, you know, focus on Christians alone, but on changing the world regardless of people's faith. I know and when mm. I speak on behalf of World Vision or play songs, I really do, I feel alive and that I'm doing something worldwide. And, you know, being an artist and a performer in Rand and creating songs and music that, I mean, have real biblical truth, but maybe don't sound like your typical Christian worship, but have this this sound that bridges the gap where people coming from any background will say, you know, I, I enjoy that music, or that sounds like something I'm familiar with, or I might hear something like that in a pub on a Friday night, you know, but it's actually right. very church lyrics. I mean, that was our whole mission and our whole goal of not just reaching the church, but reaching the world and the nations. And I think that's why we've had so much success with, you know, um, Christian and secular crowds through and through is because we've constantly had the mindset of filling that gap of being an open hand and an open sound and not restricting ourselves. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that's, that's my own testimony actually, is it, it was, um, for me, it was actually Jars of Clay. So a little before you guys came on the scene, um, you know, performing in settings such as having a video on music television uh, yeah. that cross that cross genres, and they sounded like other alternative rock artists I liked at that time. You know, I view, you know, in your guys' case, like you said, um, the Irish feel to the music I think is yeah. appealing as you said from a you know, even if you're not religious, but you like to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, right? Um, yes, exactly. But also, yeah, also 
popular secular bands like Mumford and Sons, you know, I actually feel like I didn't I didn't even hear their music until I heard your music. And then it was like, yeah. oh, I like them. I like them because I like yeah. you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, We're big fans of Mumford and Sons, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so I kind of I kind of caught that, you know, similarity, at, at least on some levels um, musically. And I think that's what yeah. broadens the appeal is there's this emotional connection people have um, to a style of music. And uh, yeah, what made you decide to use authentic Irish instruments in your performances and recordings? And, you know, cause it kind of seems to drift away from, especially to, you know, the programmed, you know, uh, track, uh, the electric guitar, the formulaic, you know, you know, you yeah. guys definitely brought something unique, I think, to this market. So what was the intention there? And what are your favorite instruments? Yeah, I, mean, I absolutely love incorporating Irish and old folk instruments into my performance. I think it's also very unique, you know, not very often do you go to a concert and see a girl, you know, pick up an accordion or pick up a mandolin and, you know, start using those during worship of all things. Um, but that's something I've, I've always really enjoyed, you know, bringing our culture to what we do um, and try and incorporate these um, unusual things. One of my favorite instruments I incorporate into the performance is called the hurdy-gurdy, which is a stringed mm. instrument that uses keys and a stone grinding system and acts like a bow. It's very strange. <laughs> um, but again, I love it. It's, it's, it's an opportunity to be unique and an opportunity I think really bring joy into worship you know that I feel like growing up a lot of the time we would see worship as being this very serious and you had to make sure you had a straight face and you know that you looked very intense while you were doing it and what I wanted to bring personally to the to the worship world was you can express yourself joyfully onto the Lord and you can pick up weird things and you can just really enjoy the moment of creating art and creating music that brings a smile to your face. You know, every every time when I'm performing, as soon as I pick up a, a hurdy-gurdy or a harmonium or something strange and unique, I see people's faces light up, you know, and their phones come out and, you know, all the things. And you say, you know, that's okay. You know, these, uh, these instruments, they fascinate a crowd. They draw them to my performance. And, you know, ultimately, my goal is to point them towards Jesus. But we can do that in a fun, unique way. Um, yeah. And it also, you know, I have little, well, we three small kids. And, you know, when they see me up there performing, handling all these strange and wonderful things like Glockenspiels and Jingling Johnnies, like Gareth plays, you know, it makes them want to enter into worship all that more as well. And it's it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, I, as I mentioned, my girls are uh, musicians, but they have never played any of those instruments. Have you ever had the opportunity to do any workshops or teaching about playing some of those unique instruments to uh, younger people? Yeah, we did little workshops um, in a, uh, a thing called Camp Electric, I think it was called. Yeah, it was called. And um, yeah, just sharing your passion with kids or we've done workshops in Soul Survivor. That's a big festival in the UK that's you know, has over 40,000 young people over a number of weeks and been able to, to share your gifts and your talents, but also your passion for what you do and why you do it. I mean, I just, I love that. I love 
kids. I love working with young people. I was a youth worker for, you know, seven or eight years back in Ireland. And yeah, I, I love, I love just releasing young people into what they feel passionate about. Of, you know, if, if you want to do this under the Lord, if you want to play music, if you want to create art, do it in the, the most fun way that you feel alive. And yeah, I get, I get really passionate about that sort of stuff. That's awesome. And I know you are an Instagram uh, influencer and have a lot of interactions uh, interactions with your fans that way. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, some of your followers and what you communicate to them. Yeah, a lot. I mean, quite honestly, a lot of my followers now as we progress are young women or young moms, you know, here we're all trying to figure out motherhood together. And um I'm always trying to communicate, you know, love the Lord, love your kids, and just, um, you know, I think meeting people where they're at, knowing things are hard, there's struggles in life, and so people, you know, come to me a lot going, how do you deal with this, how do you work through this, and just being a voice for people of saying, it's okay, you know, we've been there, we struggle, things are hard, being a parent is hard, sometimes being, you know, a woman's hard, and um, just connecting with people and helping them feel heard and understood is a is a big part of what I do on social media of letting people know, you know, that you're not alone in in the struggle, you're not alone in the fear, you're not alone in the doubt. And um, yeah, I um, I love reaching out to people and connecting with them personally. That's a that's a big part of who I am. Um, like when we when we're here in Nashville, you know, I meet up with moms almost every day, and just try and encourage and strengthen and support people in the best way that I know how. Um, whether that's through having a chat or sharing your music or, you know, passing out a, a you know kids book that I've written or whatever way that that they most need. But um, yeah, that's kind of. I'm not big on what I what I wear or what makeup brands I use. <laughs> it's more just meeting people's uh, emotional and uh, you know needs that way. Yeah, and I think it's been one of the ways we've been able to stay connected during COVID naturally. And uh, yeah. another way is right, kind of right before COVID hit. Um, I know you and Gareth completed a children's book. Uh, to kind of complement yeah. your work as as an artist and a worship leader, and as a mother, as you mentioned, of three children, what would you personally tell other mothers about your motivation and goal for writing the book? Well, from from my life, how you know, we would get so many messages about it being part of a school week or being really a part of the school every day and their assembly. That these kids were singing it every day and. Thousands of church were using the theme of My Lighthouse for their mission week of their kids' work or, uh, you know, VBS, all of that sort of stuff. And we were, we just really felt passionate about, you know, having something to go alongside of the song that uh, children could look at, something visually that could help them understand the love of God. And it was, it was such a fun and uh, it was just an amazing experience to write the book and work with the illustrator. And I love reading to my kids. Gareth always laughs at me that I'm like, I'll do a bedtime routine. <laughs> you know, most parents fight it when he has to do it. I love doing it. I love taking that moment 
either at the, you know, at the end of the day and sitting down when your kids are quiet and you read them a story and you see their imagination just start to run wild. Or now it's my eldest, he's now seven. And, you know, questions that he'll bring up, conversations that will spark from a book. Um, and that's what I loved. You know, My Lighthouse is a, is a story about a little boy who, you know, wants to be normal and wants to be like everybody else. You know, he lives in a lighthouse and everything is round and it frustrates him and he decides to go off on his own adventure and when he realizes that it's his house that is bringing everyone safe to shore you know on these adventures that he realized how special it is and how much it's looked after him and and it was just to really relay that um just that truth of how much god is consistent how much he loves us how much he is the light in our lives that will guide us home and we wanted to, to do it in a way that wasn't so obvious but that you could hand a book out to people who weren't Christians people who didn't know anything about God people who didn't know anything about church and it would pull a string in their hearts you know I've had so many messages people coming who really relate to the story and relate to the book and it's been yeah so so amazing for for me to be such a big part of it it was I I I, I mean I love I love kids' work. I love kids, and any way that I can be creative to give them something that'll point them to Jesus is is great. That's awesome. Um, by the way, I think I need to read it, even though I have older girls now. Um, I'm intrigued uh, based on your description. So thank you. Um, oh yeah. As far as uh, you get a copy. Uh, for sure. And as far as uh, touring, right? so of course I've had the great opportunity to see you in sold out crowds. You know whether it's been Winter Jam or I've seen you at Creation, I've seen you guys at um, that opening for Chris Tomlin's show I mentioned. Um, and I know you've done, you know, even larger crowds than I've been part of, 40,000 plus people, et cetera. Um, following COVID, what do you think the future of Christian, Christian music festivals will be? And do you see yourself singing and speaking before stadiums or arenas anytime soon? I suppose there's always there's always hope, isn't there? We always hope that we yeah. can get back to the place where we where we feel safe in community. Um, and you know, hopefully this summer we'll be getting back out to festivals that are outdoors and you know where protocols are are in are in place. And I mean, yes, as soon as things are safe and available, we'll we'll be there. Really, <laughs> we've missed it so much. Being you know playing live is just it's amazing, you know, being part of, I mean, just a couple of years ago, we were headlining a, a festival called Big Church Day Out, you know, it's the biggest UK festival, there is 25,000 people worshipping under the stars, and, you know, just, just an amazing, amazing thing, so as soon as, as soon as things are safe and available for us to do, then, then we'll be, we'll be there with uh, our weird instruments and weird accents. <laughs> Awesome. Well, um, I actually just reviewed Need to Breeze live album because uh, they never got to tour their most recent album because of COVID. Yeah. And just listening to the live recordings choked me up because I was realizing yeah. how much I missed, I missed that community of singing. And, you know, so, yes, I hope you guys come somewhere where I can come bring my family outdoors and safe and and worship with you guys again in person. So. 
Final question for you. Um, Ellie, as an artist in, uh, who wears many hats, uh, in addition to being the co-founder <laughs> of, of REN, which is world famous, and performed and led worship individually and collectively um, at some of the most prominent and distinguished events, uh, you know, internationally, uh, social media influencer uh, and a musician who's, you know, I think uh, really broadened um, the Christian music genre in a very meaningful way. What's next for you? Yeah, I just can't wait to, you know, write new songs that my experiences over this COVID time have inspired. Uh, people need something real, something new, making sure it's not fake or falsely spiritual. So I hope to get some of those songs out into the world. And um, yeah, I guess we're always holding their crafts on some new and quirky folk instruments that I think people are going to love. And yep, yeah, maybe write another kid's book, who knows, and maybe kids podcasts are in the future but yeah we'll just we'll keep busy and keep going and um keep keep trying to impact the the worship genre as much as we can and um i'm excited i'm excited to get back out touring and performing again and um yeah getting back face to face with people is is one of the definitely what's next on the, on the agenda hopefully Awesome. Well, I'll look forward to uh, seeing you when you come back to my area of Pennsylvania. Uh, but until then, all the best, all the best, and God bless to you and your husband. And looking forward to also yes, speaking with him uh, and learning some of uh, some new information about Gareth. But this has been awesome. I can't wait for our yes. readers uh, to get to know you better. So thank you, Allie. Thank you so much, Kevin. We really, really appreciate this, truly. For sure. Well, and I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Take care. Yes. Uh, Kevin, I'll call you on my phone now. I'll call in on that number. Sounds good. Talk soon. Okay. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, thank you, Ali. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Hello. Hi, Gareth. How's it going? <laughs> I got you. Uh, thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate that. That seemed to seem to go well. Yes, I appreciate it as well. And um, yeah, I think um, I should be fine taking the outline we have and filling yeah. it in. And because this is an audio and we can kind of chop it up, I think I can mesh this up as a pretty cool podcast too. So um, oh, cool. you can be you can be thinking about that as we're talking through these questions for you. Um, but obviously, I think you know you've got your own kind of 
flavor you can put to these questions. So we'll just jump right in if that sounds good. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard now having almost the same questions thinking, how am I going to answer all of these totally differently? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you have to be totally different because I think you and I have a, a slightly different angle um, yeah. coming at it from me having covered you for many, many years now. So, so yeah, Gareth, it's uh, always a pleasure to speak with you and looking forward to featuring you once again for my ongoing Behind the Song series. As you know, we started talking together in person uh, about movements actually back in 2011. Um, even yeah. before you really, even really before you guys reached prominence, which kind of really came from the next album when you opened for Chris Tomlin. So, if you don't mind telling me a little bit um, uh, about yourself, what I'd like to know some more things about you personally is, you know, beyond having a claim for written about a hundred or so well songs used in worship and praise services, you know, your song My Lighthouse specifically, which you wrote with Chris Llewellyn. Uh, have reached plat status for selling over a million copies. Congratulations! Uh, how do how do you go about you know writing standards like those, and what does your creative process look like day to day? You know, it's funny. I think for every song, things change. Uh, sometimes it comes from a melody. Sometimes it comes from an idea. I know that lighthouse idea. I mean, we literally uh, it grew up on the coastline in Ireland, so. Every time you went for a walk, there was <laughs> like 10 lighthouses. Um, and, so every song has its, its own inspiration. Something that's been really, um, I think something really key to me at the minute in terms of a writing process is to, to not write songs for other people, but just to write them for myself. Um, trying to be more honest, trying to be more authentic, to my voice rather than what I think other people want my voice to be. Uh, so I, I've just been uh, reading a lot, thinking a lot, uh, just playing. Uh, actually, my my piano is set up currently in the um, the guest bathroom in my house. So <laughs> the the acoustics are amazing in there. Uh, the, it's a it's a really fun place just to write songs and think and um, you know pray through. I guess I guess if I can be honest about my struggles and my my faith, um, then I'm hoping that other people have similar struggles and similar journeys. That's awesome, and you know it's um, yeah. I'm kind of glad we're on um, my lighthouse specifically as a song as a stepping off point because um, I met you uh, and Allie and your your firstborn uh, together in the tour bus you were opening for uh, Carrie Job. Um, yeah. And I met I met you guys back in uh, in Reading, Pennsylvania, with my oldest daughter Natalie, and in person, you know, getting to talk to the three of you together about that song, you know, we knew there was an anointing. It was kind of early on, um, even before it really kind of reached the level it's reached now. And I wanted to tell you, you know, ten years later now, um, my um, two younger daughters, who were too young to even be with me that night, right? You know, because it's ten yeah. years ago. Uh, yeah, right. Um, they, um, um, I guess maybe we talked about that song even more recently, but yeah, you, the idea being, um, by the time you were writing that song, uh, now 10 years later or so since I saw you guys for the first time, my two younger daughters are dancing to that song in a routine for ballet. Uh, they, they are part <laughs> of a Christian ballet. 
and it is a celebratory moment um, of of their ballet performance is leading these other young girls uh, and dancing kind of unashamed before the Lord, kind of like David in the Bible. And I, and I feel like that is in many ways um, what you guys um, bring to the Christian music genre. So, you know, as a leader for, for Ren Collective, um, there were other bands when you first formed, you know, at the time, many of them. What was yeah. your inspiration? You know, you had for forming the band in in the way you you did in light of that competition and what did you feel was truly unique about your style? I, I suppose competition is is a word I would never really think of. Um, and why you do or don't start something. We started the band because we felt like we should. <laughs> you know, we 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 looked around and there was no one writing music like we were. Uh, there, there was no one in, in the worship space. It had got very boring and very stale. And w- we started writing music because we thought, you know, our generation, people younger than us, we, we see them leaving church. So we need to write something now that is actually uh, something for them, something for us, something we can connect with. And, and, and that's why we started the band was, to be that voice, to be something unique and new and something that we actually look back on what we've done and um, we, the influence that we've had on the worship genre generally has been really, really huge. And, and we wouldn't actually have known about it unless other artists came to us and said, hey, we saw what you were doing uh, and uh, we wanted to be more like that. I remember... Uh, our mix engineer telling us that one of the top people in Hillsong came to him and said, I want this album to sound more like Rand Collective. So we're trying to oh, more creative awesome. things. You know, I, and that was, you know, 10 years ago. And you're like, oh, that's really, really cool. Um, uh, Chris Tomlin invited us on tour with him because we just didn't sound like anyone else. So I think that's been... That's been our story, and I, and even in going back to the question before about trying to write authentically and not what we think we should be, that that's been something that I think we're coming back to ten years on. Is we were always uh, an, an agitator and a um, maybe having more of a prophetic voice in what we do, which is on the edge of things and uh, trying to find the new and the fresh, the fresh expressions, trying to be ourselves. So I, I guess the competition uh, wasn't really in our head. It was more just, if we don't do this, our friends and our generation aren't going to want to sing worship music anymore. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, and by the way, um, mission accomplished and still going, you know, um, because I already mentioned how I'm seeing a lighthouse being used, but at my church, so now, you know, kind of more for the... Um, traditional worship setting uh we added both simplicity and rescuer um to oh, okay. our rescuer you know, pretty, pretty, yeah pretty regular rotation of of you know songs we sing as believers and you know along those lines you guys have had the opportunity to not just sing to believers but to perform you know and speak to large gatherings like when pope francis um brought you uh to the the performance in in dublin and also when you've you know sung for a sold out crowd at madison square garden with chris tomlin 
um, you know, what was your, your, you know, what did you say in the um, Pope Francis visit to Dublin when you got to interact with the crowd and individuals? Yeah, I, well, for for me um, as an artist, I um, I really love just being able to get my own unique perspective across. I guess um, a huge thing that has kind of driven driven uh, my songwriting and my ideas and the reason the why of what I do is trying to help people find freedom and joy. And uh, as a person of faith. I really believe that that can come whenever you're you're aligned with uh, God's will for your life, and um, you're you're chasing after His dreams. The joy of the Lord being our strength is something that mm. um, makes us more free. Um, following following God doesn't wrap us up in uh, in chains, but it actually releases us to be who we are so in dublin that was a huge part of the emphasis that i wanted to bring to that crowd um because a lot of people were there who were maybe um just excited to see the pope but not necessarily interacting with their faith tradition um also it it is it is mind-blowing that um that a band from northern ireland and all of our uh, political histories and, and problems um, between Protestants and Catholics, um, to be the only Protestant band um, to play for the Pope on his visit to Ireland um, at the first time ever was a huge was a huge moment for our our island, uh, like a historical moment. Um, also, just something that for me as an individual to be able to share on that platform and and on that stage um, and to be able to perform as well. It was a Let's just say it was a career highlight, um, and and something that uh, so often you you don't get to interact with a um, a historical moment, but that was one of them, and we all felt it. Well, that's great. Um, uh, what uh what has been your? You've done a lot of really cool performances like that one. Um, do you have any, you know? A particular event that you would say was the most memorable for you, where you were the, you know, you led worship singing. Oh goodness, uh, not one. I could give you a few. <laughs> um, sure. Obviously, yeah. My, uh, with Chris Tomlin doing Madison Square Garden was pretty unreal. To play the sold out show in one of the most famous uh, places in the world uh, for being able to do concerts. Um, Another one would have been in our in our hometown in Belfast, selling out the arena. There's not many local bands get to sell out their capitals arena, and um, the fact that we are one of a small group of people who have ever done that was was pretty unreal. Um, playing across Europe at this uh, last year, just before COVID, we started our world tour and we we did a sold out tour in uh, Australia and New Zealand which uh, that was memorable to me because they're like, that's 8,000 miles away. You know, it's not round the corner. Um, It does feel like a totally different world. And to just go there, never been there in our lives, never, you know, invested in that marketplace. um, And to have sold out shows was like jaw dropping. (laughs) I think that was, we sold out our tour within, I think, five days. Um, and and to be able to do that and and 
we we didn't invest was yeah mind blowing. That's awesome. Um, so I um, I love all your albums, um, and I wonder if you have a particular favorite um, in your twelve years of uh, recording albums. Do you have a favorite Run Collective album? Uh, it's normally the most recent one, <laughs> yeah. the one you the one you you poured your heart and soul into. I think looking back sure. on it, uh, I think maybe looking back on it, it might be uh, the Art of Celebration, which does have yeah. does have my lighthouse on it. Um, it it was just a, a great moment for us where we still um, weren't worried about the industry of music and we're just doing our own thing and it became our best selling record um to date uh or to that date that was that was kind of amazing another one there recently we did one called good news which had a song on it called counting every blessing um mm. and that was our that was our highest ever you know charting at christian radio <clears throat> we were top five uh, and that was pretty cool for a band who don't always Sound like a radio band to to have a to have a top five radio single pretty was pretty cool and that record really came back to our heartbeat of as we talked about you know trying to be a band that uh, that plays just doesn't play by the rules but but plays the you know makes music for everybody and we wanted to make music that was for people who were Christians and people who wouldn't see themselves interested in faith at all. That's awesome. Well, um, I had the opportunity to hear you guys perform um, that record and also a couple times, uh, particularly at Winter Jam, you and and Chris and I spoke together in person about Counting Ever Blessing for one of my yeah. devotions. And yeah, congrats on the success of that because uh, I do feel like that fits everything you've set out to do as an artist, which is be creative, but also lead people into a, a place of worship. And, you know, along those lines, I know your recordings are being played and covered by other artists. Is there a particular country whose reception to your style of music uh, was surprising to you? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, the day that we played in Germany and we started playing, one, uh, they asked us to play one of our songs that wasn't that we loved, but it wasn't like one of our big songs. We're like, oh no, well we're not going to, you know, we're not going to do that. We kind of argued back with them, and and they got very very passionate. <laughs> so we had to do this song. So we're like, oh, well okay, we'll do it. I walked out on stage, played it, and the whole place went crazy, and everybody started singing. You know, when we had finished the song, they started singing it again. This time in German. Uh, and kept wow. going and kept going so much so that we looked at each other and we went well I guess we should start playing as well <laughs> so so they became the uh, they became the band leading us um, only to find out afterwards that that song um, was the number one uh, church song in Germany so you know CCLI wow. is the um, CCLI as you know is the uh the charting for what songs are most sung in church as churches report every year and the song um which is called boldly i approach um parentheses the art of celebration was uh number one song in germany uh the most sung song in the church and we didn't know and that sort of uh, like 
I don't know, that caught me by complete surprise to hear a song with the same melody, but, but sung in a different language, and that everyone in that place, you know, specifically Germany and mainland Europe, that was a big song, but to the rest of the world, it wasn't a big song. Hello? Have we got you? Have we gone somewhere? Should be back in my back. Are you there, boy? Hello. Hello, 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 hello. I'm still on. I'll call in. Hello. Oh, hi, hi, Gareth. You have hi. me. Hi. <laughs> Sorry about that. I lost uh, internet for a second, but I was hearing you say about "Boldly I Approach," which, by the way, um, that's amazing. That is actually a song. Isn't it nuts? And I, 
And I did not know that story, but I'm not actually surprised. They actually, to me, um, that's a real testimony to their taste in music, in my opinion, that they resonated with a song that you had not marketed. Um, I, right. I, I think that says a lot about the power of music that, you know, people like a, a vibe musically and, and obviously the message of that song, you know, you know, right from Hebrews and just such a, such a beautiful story. So thank you for sharing that. And I know many Christian artists tend to, you know, choose the safe route and, you know, perform to like-minded church going people. Um, but you individually, right, right. Uh, we, you know, with Ali and with Rand, you know, have been known for taking bolder steps and performing, you know, your sacred music to wider secular audiences, such as Fox News and other media you've been interviewed by several times. You know, what is it you think um, secular audiences have resonated with about your, your message and also your um, music? Well, I think um, when Jesus, Jesus's mission was um, to be inclusive, sometimes the church is so worried about um, this idea of being inclusive at the fear of watering down what it means to be a Christian um, by morals or those sorts of things. But, but Jesus seemed to be really interested in connecting with people. Um, and he was known as a, you know, as a glutton and a drunkard. Um, he spent his time with tax collectors and prostitutes and he was at parties. He wasn't always with the right crowd. And um, it wasn't that he himself was was any different. He was still, you know, perfect. But did he recognize that he needed to be with the people? Um, and those were the people who needed help. And those are the people who wanted to be real and not pretend that they were something they weren't. Uh, so that kind of fueled our, um, our ethos as a band. We, we believe in... Uh, and writing music for everybody. Sometimes we've we've said that we are worship music for uh, people who don't go to church, which mm. <laughs> seems like a really seems like a really dumb genre to create uh, <laughs> to write music for people who don't want that music. But that's kind of that's kind of been our, our ethos a lot of the time, um, and that's why we play in a lot of secular venues. Um, we go and we just play in the arena, or we play. You know, we're about to play in the Apollo in London. Uh, you know, places like that that are that are well known for uh, just music and not for being uh, like churches or religious buildings. Uh, it is kind of it's kind of really fun. I think also just we are we are honest in our in our writing, um, and we try to, you know, we've tried to team up with other organizations that would have a similar idea. Um, people like the Billy Graham organization we've gone and we recently did um, a concert with them in England to, you know, 10, 15,000 people. And their whole um, motto was just to share the love of God and um, that anyone can, then anyone can, that can come to faith. Um, other people, uh, like we work a lot with World Vision as a charity. I've been to Honduras with them um, and spent a lot of time talking to them. And then I, I will share um, about World Vision from the stage. Um, 
and talk about that sort of thing as well. They're great because they uh, they bring a Christian um, ethos, but it's not exclusively for Christians. And it's also not something, you know, sometimes there are certain Christian charities that would almost make it, you have to come and hear the gospel before we give you a dinner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, um, right. But, yep. but they're about transforming uh, communities. And actually every community that I visited in Honduras when I was there with them was, um, they were all greatly impacted by uh, the gospel, but it was in a, it was in a much um, more, um, I think a, a much kinder and big picture way rather than just, you know, wanting people to take a box, if that makes sense. That's awesome. Yeah, no, and uh, I, that's my own testimony is I was led to a saving faith in Jesus alone as my savior from hearing a creative expression of Christian music. So, you know, I obviously support that, um, yeah. that vision that you guys have. And the other vision you guys seem to have is bringing authentic Irish instruments into your performances and recording, uh, recordings. And clearly that's not the formula. Uh, you know, if you listen to an hour of Christian music, you hear the formula, uh, which is obviously traditional instruments, drum tracks, et cetera. You know, but you guys right. have always yeah. had these special instruments that I don't even know what the names of them are. So tell me about some of those and what's your favorite one? Yeah, I think, well, my my favorite one is called the Jingling Johnny, <laughs> which awesome. is such a dumb <laughs> name, but it's um, it's a really old folk instrument that used to be played, you know, 150 years ago. Um, and you sort of bang it on the ground and it's like a percussion stick has different things on it but it was used you know in bars and public houses because the the floors would be hollow and they would have uh, you know wooden and hollow so when you stomped something on them you had that almost like a big kick drum you know a bass drum sort of sound um so i actually decided to bring that instrument back. There was nobody I knew who was playing it and uh, I ended up making one myself, bringing it out and uh, people lost their minds for it. Uh, uh, so much so that I, I, I started making them for other people. So I think I've made about 50 of them um, wow. with, uh, with a Amazing. friend's help in, in Crossville, yeah, and, and sold them. And then it was just getting too much work. So I just made myself some extras. Uh, but that was kind of fun to resurrect an instrument and to be a person who who brought something from the past back that no one else had done. Um, and then there's all the other instruments. I got I got my wife into playing the hurdy gurdy, which is you know a weird sort of um, uh, spinning instrument that that uses a stone to grind the the strings. Uh, and it kind of sounds like a fiddle and a bagpipe had a baby. And you wish that neither of them had. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But, but it, it's really, it's really kind of unique and, and fun. Um, and then just trying to find other... I was a um, percussion teacher as well. So back in Ireland, I was like the leading teacher in my, in my area. And I would get, you know, teenage boys together. And we would, because they taught in, in an all-boys school, uh, we um, got every sort of percussion instrument you could imagine and created almost like a blue man group, um, except we weren't blue. Um, and that was, that, that was kind of a lot of fun. So that kind of influence when, when it came to Rank Collective, what I wanted to bring in was, to me, rhythm and percussion is, is 
is the most accessible part of music. When someone watches a band, you watch the drummer most of the time. Um, yeah. When someone watches, when someone goes to an orchestral performance, you're not sitting watching the 40 violin players. You're watching the one guy at the back who's running around like a wild man, you know, hitting a triangle and then running across to a marimba and then hitting some, you know, hand symbols. And that's the, that's the fun bit. So uh, I've tried to bring that into into what we do for sure. <coughs> I believe I've I believe I've even seen you and Allie um, switch off. Like you'll step away from the kit and she'll step back there when you go play to, that's um, right. uh, one of those other instruments. So, yeah, I think that's, that is something that's remarkable about getting to um, sing along with you guys in person. And as you said, you're right. Your eye does go to all those fun instruments and the percussionist uh, because they are, you know, kind of driving the, the, the tempo and driving the, the vibe of the song, you know, and right. I always know when it's going to be a ballad because the percussionist kind of doesn't do as much, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. This is one of these reflective songs. Um, so <laughs> that's whatever they, they tip their hat and close their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, Tell me a little bit about your involvement in social media. Uh, you know, what types of things do you do there? Yeah, um, I, ha- I have my own social media following around 10,000 um, people, which is kind of fun. I, most of the time, like just telling people what, what I do day to day. And there's always people, you know, messaging me saying, hey, will you endorse this product for us? Or will you, will you push this or do that? And I just like it being a space where I can um, be an influence on people as a dad, you know, not just as an artist, but just as a dad and a husband. And, um, I, I really enjoy that side. Also, uh, recently I've started doing a podcast um, uh, with one of the other guys from the band and we've had huge success. We were number one in the UK, uh, Christian um, and actually number one mostly worldwide and top 10 in the U.S. Uh, it was even kind of weird being number one in Romania <laughs> on the, oh, on the Christian podcast, you know. So um, that's, been, that's been really, really quite fun. And, and a, a platform I much prefer than short form media like Instagram or Facebook where it's all about snippets. I'm more of a, like a conversationalist. Um, and, and I always think, you know, you can make a statement on, on short form media, but, but there's, uh, there's a conversation to be had and there's nuance. So podcasts for me are, uh, are something that uh, I'm really excited about. We've, we've got a, a season of 10 episodes coming out and the reception seems to be going fantastic. So we're excited about that. Awesome. Good. I look forward to checking it out because I'm a big podcast listener. And I would agree um, from us talking uh, as a band and together uh, 11 times uh, before for my uh, devotional series. Uh, I would agree yeah. you're a conversationalist more than a more than a pithy, um, you know, 240 characters or less. Uh, <laughs> I just don't like the I also don't like the controversy. I don't like the fact that you say one thing, but then right. It, but you've only got a short time to say one thing, but then everybody wants you to say everything on short form media. They want you to have 
sure. every statement you ever make wrapped up in a bow, and that's that's just too hard. It's funny. I'm actually in media, and I'm also not much of a social media guy for the same reason. I write long form, um, you know, right. Bible studies, which are more than 1,500 words, and even then, I feel like I'm not getting everything out I want to say. Um, right. So yeah, I've taken to I've taken to social media just being uh, Bible verses and just kind of having God's word stand yes. alone, you know, and then and then point back to maybe uh, an article or a devotional. Or, as you said, a podcast where maybe we have a conversation about God's Word or we right. I write about God's Word in the connection with music. You seem like a similar-minded guy that way. Um, but yeah, you also, absolutely. I believe, have written a children's book with your wife, and I'd love to hear more about that inspiration and kind of what that meant to you personally. Oh, yeah. I suppose um, when you become a parent, you you start getting involved in a whole world of things <laughs> that you never thought about. So we, yeah. um, I just, well, as leader of Rank Collective, uh, I've always looked at ways to try and, you know, develop what we do, be new, be innovative, and, and also speak into places where other people um, aren't speaking. And as a parent, I was kind of looking at faith-based books, faith-based um, music, and was a little disappointed. There was nothing I really wanted to play to, to my kids. As, as a matter of fact, the only thing that I really have loved and wholeheartedly would endorse are the uh, the Louis Giglio uh, devotionals, the How Great Is Our God, mm. and indescribable ones. I think they're absolutely fantastic. Um, but outside of that, even the artwork, you know, when you look at some of the Christian uh, books, the artwork is, is so uh, dated. So um, my wife and I, after getting so many things about the song My Lighthouse, it, it seems to be not only a, an adult favourite, but really resonated with, with young people and kids. And um, our home, our, you know, Northern Ireland, our home country, um, more or less every primary school um, or elementary school, as you guys would say, actually play that song as part of their morning uh, devotional assemblies. Um, so it, it seemed to be something that we were like, okay, well, we, well we've got to write a book on this. <laughs> so, uh, we started it five years ago and then, you know, never really got around to it. And uh, then I just said to my wife, we've got to drive this home. Let's just write the thing. And we sat down and we spent two days and we didn't stop until we got it. Um, uh, uh, so that was that was really really fun, and we just searched for uh, an artist, an illustrator who would be someone who would bring more of like a modern, a modern vibe and something quirky and and more like us rather than um, something corporate. So that's what we did, and and uh, yeah, that that book we've sold thousands and thousands of copies already. I don't even know the figures, but I know we're over uh, five thousand, and it's only like a year and we haven't been on tour you know it was meant to be something we would sell at the merch table and all of that but it's mostly been online sales awesome well um congrats and uh in talking with ali i'm uh interested in reading it now that i've uh understand even more your inspiration behind it because i share that uh, desire for you know something that connects to a musical style i enjoy which actually makes perfect sense to me so uh, yeah well, closing, you make, um, sure, you, make yeah. sure you text me your address 
The, the, and the okay. other thing I was actually going to say in terms of kids stuff, we actually started a, you know, I wanted, my wife and I wanted to start a kids band as well, something where we could write kids oh, music. Cool. So we brought out a kids album a year and a half ago. Um, and uh, yeah, it might even be my favorite record we've ever made. <laughs> awesome. Sparkle Pop Rampage, right? That one? That's right. That's the one. Awesome. Well, I uh, I will make sure I include a link to that in this uh, interview for sure. Uh, so I want people to you know be able to check that out. So yeah, so COVID of course hit right as your last record dropped. Uh, I choose to worship, and I'm looking forward to continuing to promote that record. There's a lot of great messages there. Um, but following COVID, what do you think the future of Christian music will be for both the industry, but also you know for you as a touring artist? Oh yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting one. It's very hard to um, to know. I would say that the virtual things are good, but you know the Bible says where two or three are gathered together, He's there in the midst. Mm-hmm. And I think I think getting together is a is going to be a huge thing. I hope that we can get to a place where it's safe. Um, that. Um, that we can all get in a room and get up and close and personal again and, and have proper concerts and those sorts of experiences because they're they're really meaningful and they're they're big moments in people's lives. Uh but you know, I hope I hope that when we do come back, uh that none of us take it for granted anymore. You know, it was just such a normal mm-hmm. thing. And now it feels yeah. like this is a cherished thing that we should all be we should all be so grateful for. Yeah, amen to that. I that's how I close all my devotionals, and I'd like to close this part of our discussion because I, yeah, I know uh, what a community experience it is um, for strangers to gather around the truth of the gospel and to gather around right. interesting creative music. And I think the enemy, uh, unfortunately, is winning if we live in isolation um, because right. that's where he attacks us individually. He makes us question our identity, and he also, um, you know, takes away community. And, uh, you know, I know what you guys have done for me personally and for my family as you provided that community experience. And, uh, yeah, I'll be praying for you guys um, to have that opportunity to to do that again in whatever way that looks um, and to keep this great ministry you guys started going. So, until we That's do talk awesome. again, um, thank you so much for getting to know you better and getting to know Allie better. And I'll look forward to sharing your guys' stories uh, with our audience and uh, look forward to worshiping with you in person until we talk again. Yeah, I hope so, Kevin. As ever, it's always a delight to talk to you. Great. Thank you, Gareth. Well, appreciate this. And uh, that's a wrap for our conversation today. Look forward to talking again for another Behind the Song devotional. Woohoo! <laughs> All right, great. Thanks, so that, that can be our that can be our cut there, Gareth. And then if you yeah. got a few minutes, usually we can wrap up a, a quick song discussion in about fifteen minutes, and that's actually yeah, let's do fifteen. Definitely so yeah, so we there's a lot of songs. I, you and I talked about your name is Power before I choose to worship even came out, uh, and it's been a long time now. Like I've been wanting to talk about singing from the shackles. You know, I've wanted to talk about I choose to worship. And then I kind of saw that my advocate was was being promoted, and whether that's the song that's being promoted or not, 
I thought it was so perfect in light of the interview with you and Allie about who you are as people to yeah. also feature the, the biblical message of my advocate. So if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear, you know, the creative process and songwriting story of that song. Uh, yeah. The, um, <clears throat> the idea of an advocate is, you know, someone who stands in between like a, like a defense. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, all of us, all of us know that none of us are perfect. And we all, we all stand before a perfect God and, uh, as the Bible says, you know, fall short. We've all missed the mark. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Um, but then that, that, that Jesus is the one who stands in between um, the wrath of God and the grace of God and um, that he's the one who took, took on his shoulders all of all of our mistakes and, and all of our regrets and those sorts of things and stands and, and fights for us. It's just such a like a beautiful picture and a beautiful idea. How how could you not um want to sing about that and talk about it? Uh that's kind of where the, the, the song came from, that he's our righteousness, it's not us. Um mm. and that he's he's the the author and the perfecter of our faith. Um and for me, there are days whenever I don't feel like I can advocate for myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's days where I yep. just don't, I don't measure up. I'm not where I should be. Um, and to know that there's someone in those moments who hasn't given up on me, but but that is still fighting for me, is really how the how the whole song came about. That's awesome. And and my family is doing a Bible study of Romans right now. And obviously it's, it's dense and it's very, very logical though. Um, and I feel yeah. like you guys also are able to um, provide kind of uh, like the progression of scripture and how it can lead people into truth. I actually feel like this song a little bit does that. And again, in a three and a half minute, you know, song, right? Um, right. And that is, you know, by expressing things like in the second verse, you know, you've never failed me yet. Your promises are yes. Um, you know, yes and amen, we know specifically, but you guys kind of say that a few different times in the song. Uh, and then also this idea um, that I, I, again, talking about kind of like the Roman road in a way, um, this idea that you declare me innocent before your throne you know, I claim the victory, your blood is won. Um, yeah. And then you, you fight for me, right? So this idea, hallelujah, who could ever stand against, you know, that Romans 8 kind of like pinnacle moment. Um, That's right. In that Romans road in a way, right? Like, you know, we know we've all, you know, sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then we, and then we know um, in, uh, that, that he uh, is our advocate, you know, and then that means he's going to be our resurrection power, which you guys have referenced in, in another song. Um, and then, you know, in, in chapter 10, um, we know if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead, you will be saved. And I feel like the song kind of ties all of those kinds of ideas together. So, and, and I know that some other biblical truth in here, but I kind of like the idea of taking people a little bit on the, the Romans road. You know, what, what yeah. would you guys, 
like people to take away from kind of the theology uh, of the song? Uh, yeah, I, I suppose, um, I mean, Robert, you're absolutely right. That's kind of, it's kind of a sum up of all, all, all of that. Um, the idea that so often we give in to condemnation and um, we give in to elevating our own failures and the voice of not the advocate, but the adversary, you know, who is the one who comes in and accuses us of those things. The fact that we give in to that so much, instead of proclaiming um, that he's our righteousness, that he's the one um, who has made the way, he's the one who declares us innocent, he's the one who's bought and fought for our victory, um, that the blood of the the blood of the lamb is is the reason why we are free it's not the um it's not our abilities it's not our perfection that has made us that that's that's the theology of the song um coming back to lifting up the cross coming back to elevating who jesus is rather than elevating who we aren't does that make sense um absolutely and i think i think that's really that's the crux of the song for sure yeah, and, the, and that word righteousness, I think that was the word that my head went to, uh, you know, because I see it in the lyrics, oh, you are my righteousness, you rush to my defense, you are my advocate, you know, and this yeah. idea of, of there is no one righteous, no, not one on their own, you know, but Jesus imputes his righteousness on us through his blood, which, and I right, think exactly. your blood is one. And, you know, we have this description of then what it means like to live post that born again truth, um, you know, which is kind of how James describes it, uh, you know, but James context is you are already born again before you um, have good works. You know, you you can't do that first. That's not going to get you there. It's the advocate who's going to lead you into a more righteous place. Um, and then that's what I think the song helps. Uh, uh, I think it, here's what it does for me. Um, after this past year of COVID um, and being isolated, like I already said, and, yeah. and being uh, unable to gather in community like we're supposed to, um, songs like this are, are really speaking to me in a deep way um, because it's, it's reminding me of the core of my faith and, and my core beliefs. And what you just said in talking about not taking for granted touring again, you know, I don't think right. we can take our faith for granted either, right? Like our faith is really all we've had to cling to in this uncertain time <laughs> we're in. And so why I feel like the song is timely uh, is I think people need to know what's true and they can cling to in this time of uncertainty. So for me, I feel like the song's the perfect uh, balm to our souls who are in need of that right now. We need something yeah. true we can we can grab onto, and this this song is about proclaiming that truth. So if you're okay with it, that's where I want to go with it. And I I, I I know you guys pretty well. I think that was your guys' intention in proclaiming this kind of truth in a song like this. But I think any, you're always, any other you're always better. Yes. You're always better at telling us our intention, though. I always like it when you tell me why I wrote the song, because I'm like, yeah, that is why I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, I mean, even think about it. You wrote it before the pandemic, and I know that, right, because of when the album came yeah. out. 
But talk, I always feel like the Lord knew we needed this message before, before we did. Right. Like, yeah, yeah knew right. we were going to, he, we were going to have a sifting moment where we might be inclined to drift away from truth and, and not know where to find truth. Um, right. And there, there are some statistics out there right now saying that people have been falling away from the church in this time uh, of churches being closed and, you know, people watching them online versus gathering in person and so on, you know, so, okay. If, if that's your situation, then what's your heart of worship, right? You know, take it back to like the Matt Redman song from the nineties, right? You know, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you, you know, like it's never been about us. It's not a, it's not navel gazing, you know, it's, it's, lifting up our eyes to right. our yeah. risen savior. And that's what this song is doing, even with hallelujahs, you know, in the, in the song. And then I, I think this, I love how the song kind of starts, starts soft and then builds musically. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it aligns with how I'm hearing the lyrics and connecting with them. Um, you know, so I didn't even get the chance to review this record. Maybe I'll do that too while I while I write this devotional. Um, because I, I feel like this was for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fair. Um, well, no, it's, yeah, it's, could, it's been such a funny, been fun, such a funny, um, frustrating time for us as well because we put our heart and soul into the record, but the week we released it was the week that everything locked down. So. Yeah, people weren't looking like <clears throat> people weren't looking to music. People were just trying to find their feet. Justin Bieber brought out his record at the same time, and uh, yeah. nobody nobody touched his record. And that's why he, you know, he brought out I think four singles since you know October, and they've all gone number one. Right. But his album, not one song was successful off. It's uh, it's been like an interesting time for us where we feel like we had a message, you know, even in choose to worship, which was like choosing to worship God, no matter what the circumstance is. It it just didn't seem to, it it didn't seem to speak to the moment in the way that we thought, you know, Oh, this is what it's for. And and quite a frustrating time for us. And so we've been kind of just licking our sores on that, you, you know, you put in a year and a half's worth of work and nobody notices. Um, I'm just going, well, there's, you know, there's something new and, uh, and that's what we just need to focus on. Uh, but definitely, definitely a weird time for sure for us as well. Yeah. And I, I figured that was probably the case and it was, you know, me as well. Right. You know, I'm writing weekly, uh, song devotionals. Um, but I'm also, I noticed there was a drop-off in records, right? It wasn't really about records last year. It was maybe here and there right. songs or, or, you know, maybe it was people like being news junkies or something, you know, I imagine there were a few different things that got in the way um, yeah. the going forth. But then again, that's my point of, like, is that the enemy winning uh, there instead of, instead of, us being light bearers. And so right. what my heart has been is to continue to search out 
for ways I can bridge that gap that you talked about. Um, right. Between yes. kind of what people are seeing all around them and what they can actually cling to. Uh, and so for me, I think this is a good bridge song for us to talk about until something else comes out from you guys, because this one to me bridges that gap between truth and uncertainty. Um, right. So that's, that's why I yeah, that's awesome. asked you about it. And uh, thank you, yeah, yeah. Uh, as always, because I know I can, as you said, I already kind of outlined for you my Bible study. I want to write about it, and I always appreciate your willingness. This will be our 12th one together, just so you know. Oh, yeah, well, that's, they're always the best. Always the best, and I hugely appreciate you doing these things for the immigration folks. We're we're at a weird stage in that where um, everyone else in the band now is like a legitimate American, gotcha. <laughs> except except Ali and I. And the reason they're legitimate Americans is because they married one. Uh, <laughs> one. Yeah, I got you it. Know, yep, I understand. We are at a weird place where we used to all be on like a band visa and that was kind of you know all good and then you get uh where now we have to be individuals in our own right it's is much more complicated because we spend our entire careers trying to not highlight that we're individuals of our own right uh so fun and games but i really appreciate you you doing that for us as well huge help yeah, for sure. And I think what I'm going to do, because it seems like it would fit what your attorney's advising you is, you know, when I do my search engine uh, on NRT, so if you go to new release today and you type up in the little upper right, um, like little magnifying glass section, you can type in yeah. collective and you will see all the different times I have featured you for editorial content. I don't know if you knew, but there were two additional articles I wrote about you guys beyond obviously all my reviews and the 11 devotionals that are already up there. I have um, well, one, a compilation of devotionals, which is kind of a fun one. Uh, but I have one I called a Ren Collective Worship Set List, where I kind of created my own set list. And no, it has cool. yours and Allie's <laughs> it's yours and Allie's pictures on, on, on it. And it has yours and Allie's faces on all the videos. Uh, that are in there, um, and I think that fits kind of nicely into the the conversation I had with each of you as artists. So I could probably embed that one in there. But I, actually, the one that really jumped out at me is I reviewed you opening for Chris Tomlin back in 2011, and uh, that's why my brain was on that like 10 year ago thing. Um, is yeah. I was looking at that was when I first started writing about you guys, but in there. Um, you know, it kind of was sort of like the journey I've gone on with you. So, yeah, I think what I can do is as um, we transcribe the two interviews I just did into uh, get to know Ali Gilkson, get to know Gareth Gilkson um, pieces, I can include some of our past editorial content, which I think will both reinforce who you are as individuals and your contribution. Um, yeah. And then I'll kind of follow that up with this My Advocate devotional as like some new content uh, as well. So I'll try to get all of that published in the next few weeks. I don't know what your timing is with your attorney, but uh, as soon as I can get it published, I'll send you guys back the link. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Kevin. Appreciate it all. No, my pleasure. Well, always a pleasure. And Gareth, don't hesitate to reach out if you need anything else from me. Uh, but I will do what I can in my editorial capacity, um, yeah. you know, to give you guys 
um, the much, much uh, deserved uh, editorial content about yourself. It's pretty, pretty exclusive type content too. I mean, even if you have to do this with other outlets to get the word out, I get it. But I think, you know, my history with you will I'll hopefully make it a little bit unique to us. Um, yeah, and then we'll go from there. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Kevin. Appreciate it all. Great. You too, guys. Well, all the best to you and Allie and your, your family and uh, look forward to our next conversation. Yes, and to you guys too. Okay, God bless. See ya. You too. See ya. Right, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.